Amen. How many of you believe that God does a new thing? Do you believe that God does a new thing? Um, what I mean by that is God doesn't leave us where we are. We don't just get saved and then sit soaking sour until he returns. But God carries us, this is what the Bible says, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from mountaintop to valley to mountaintop to valley, he carries us onward, forward, and upward. And he does a new thing. In other words, this is not a, a static relationship with God we're in, but it's a growing relationship, an evolving, maturing, developing ongoingly better relationship with him. Amen? So I want you to say with me, he does a new thing. Now, when he does a new thing, you can bet that that new thing is going to get attacked. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Let me ask, how many of you, when 2020 rolled around, first of all, you couldn't believe it when you got over it. You said, Lord, I'm believing you. Forget a New Year's resolution. I want God to do a new thing, a new thing in my life. New Year's resolutions are great. We tend to pretty much run out of gas in trying to fulfill New Year's resolutions within the first month. There's nothing more stationary and unused than that stationary bike. That you, in your New Year's resolution, said, I'm hitting that bike, man. And you hit it for a couple of weeks, and then you felt led elsewhere. Right? Now you get all kinds of exercise like this changing TV channels. Now, no, I, I want a new thing. I want God to do a new thing, a new thing. God does new things. Amen? So I'm going to read to you out of the passages where we find that phrase uh, more outstandingly than anywhere else in the Bible. It's Isaiah. And here is God talking to his people who are in Babylonian captivity for their sin. They've been there 70 years. Jeremiah, who preached to Judah for decades, I'm setting it up here real quickly, told them, if you don't repent, you're going to go into captivity to the Babylonians. And then he told them exactly how long they would be there, 70 years. You cannot do that unless God talks to you. So their 70 years are almost up. And that's where Isaiah brings this word to them. And he says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. That's talking about the Egyptian army who chased them through the Red Sea. And when the last Israelite crossed over the Red Sea, the wall of water came crashing in and destroy the entire Egyptian army. And Isaiah's taking them back. And he's saying they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. In other words, God took care of your enemy for good. Now, look what he says in verse 18. He said, forget those former things. Forget about it. Don't dwell on what I did back there though it was great. Don't dwell on the past. I'm reading the Bible. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Why? Because I'm doing a new thing. 
I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. He's telling them, look around you. It's already arriving. It's already within your line of vision if you'll look. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland or the desert. So everybody say a road and a river. Now God promises them, and I'm going to expand on this in just a moment, but God promises them two things that's going to carry them through the new thing and the attack that the new thing is going to come under. I promise you two things. I'm going to give you a road and I'm going to give you a river. A road takes you out and gets you where you need to go, and a river keeps you sustained on the journey. I'm going to give you a road and a river. Everybody say a road and a river. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. And I pray that today you will help us, Lord, that you're doing a new thing in so many lives that are here today. And watching by streaming video, who we greet today in Jesus' name, there in your living room, wherever you happen to be, I want you to know that God's doing a new thing in your heart, a new thing in your life. I want you to believe for a new thing. And Father, we thank you that as you guide us through into the new thing that you're, you're bringing this year, a new stirring, a new ministry, a new open door, a new thing, is you're going to give us a road and a river to get us there. Now, can you lift your hands, everybody, and just say, Lord, today, speak to my heart. I need this today because you're going to do a new thing in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, a new thing, a new thing, a new thing, a new thing. Amen. I love the Word of God. What about you? I love the Word of God. Now, let me just tell you what I believe a new thing is. A new thing is new. How how profound is that? What is a new thing, you say? Well, when God says, I'm going to do a new thing, he means it's going to be new. Now, when something is new, it means it's new to you. You've never experienced it before. I'm going to do something God is saying to his people here and to us. I'm going to do a new thing. And when I do a new thing in your life, it's something you've never seen, something you've never experienced. It's a place you've never been. I'm going to do a new thing. It's something you've never held. It's something that has never come into your life. It's brand new. It's new. It's not used. It's not a retread. I'm not going to do a retread thing. I'm going to do a new thing. God is telling his people here, I'm going to do a brand new thing. Now, let me just balance that out by saying quickly, there are some things that God will never redo and make new. One is Jesus being the only way to heaven the only way to God. He's never going to redo that. That's old, but it's new today. He's never going to give us a new word. We've got the Bible, the completed Bible. He's never going to give us a new word. He's never going to add something to the book of Revelation. It's not going to happen. So that's not going to be done new. He's never going to give us a new way to be born again. He's never going to give us a new Savior to follow. That's all been done. But God does do new things in the lives of his people. He does a new thing. He does something that we've never experienced before. He does a new thing by leading us into a fresh new direction in life. God does that sometimes. He does a new thing by challenging challenging us to a brand new commitment to spiritual growth. He does a new thing by visiting us by the Holy Spirit in a way we've never experienced. 
How many of you know when the Holy Spirit came into your life and filled you when you got saved, there's way more than that? There's more than that. You don't get filled once. You get filled and refilled and refilled, and God does new things spiritually in our life. He carries us faith to faith and glory to glory, new level to new level. He may carry you to a new level of witnessing like you've never done. How about a brand new ministry you've never been involved in? A new thing. You see, God, because he's Lord, because Jesus is Lord of our life, he can come knocking and calling us to do anything he wants to do. And when I read the Gospels, I see the Lord Jesus Christ carrying the disciples always into a new adventure, a new place, a new level, a new exposure of his glory and who he really was. He would say to them, get into the boat. Let's cross over to the other side. And they would get in. And Jesus was always taking them from from departure to arrival, from one place to another, from A to B to C to D. He was always saying, this is not all there is. I want to show you something else today. And I'm going to teach you something new today. And I'm going to carry you to a new place today. And I'm going to show you an aspect of myself you've never seen before today. I'm going to do a new thing. And he, he was always doing something new. He never let them sit and rot. Following Jesus was not boring. It was a daily adventure. I mean, if he wasn't walking on water, he was multiplying fish and loaves. If he wasn't doing that, he was healing blind people. If he wasn't doing that, if that wasn't enough for you, he would raise the dead. And then when he raised the dead, he would go do something else, cast out devils. He would heal people that had been sick their entire life. Every day they followed Jesus, it was brand new. He did a new thing. He showed them a new thing. He took them to a new place, and he does the same thing with us. Amen. How many of you in 2020 want the Lord to do a new thing? The Lord is saying, I want to tell you today, and really I have felt a prophetic touch on myself preaching this today because I believe this is not only for you, it's for me. And I believe this is a message for the new year. I want us to lay hold of the best that God has. I want you to know that if you're bored following Jesus, you're not following Jesus. Because following Jesus, he does new things, exciting things. He carries us onward and forward and upward always. So he's saying to all of us today, come on, let's cross over to the other side to something new, fresh, challenging, and faith-building. Let's believe God to show our church something we've never seen. Let's believe God to take each of you individually someplace he's never taken you before where you're going to be in awe of what God does, where you're going to be bowled over by what the Lord shows you. I want to stir us up today to believe God, not for mediocrity, but for something wonderful. He only does wondrous things. Amen? So I want us to expect the Lord to do a new thing. Now, now when God does a new thing, it's been my experience all throughout my walk with the Lord. When God does a new thing, and, I, and I'm going somewhere with this, so follow with me. When God does a new thing, it always comes under attack. When, when God does a new thing, the devil tries to attack it. When it's still new, before it can develop, before it can grow, and, and, and get to the place that it's dangerous to the dark kingdom of Satan. So, so the devil attacks it when it's young. Now, where I'm going with this today is, 
having told you he attacks things when they're young, when they're still new, I want to show you what God provides for us so that even though he attacks it, he does not prevail. We prevail through Christ, and we come out on the other side riding the wave of the new thing God is doing in our life. How many of you can say, I suspect the Lord is doing something new in my life in 2020? Come on. Well, there was more hands than 9 o'clock. How many of you can say, I expect the Lord is going to, I believe he wants to do a new thing in my life in 2020. Let's see your hand. Come on. Amen. Amen. So, so the enemy attacks it. He, he'll attack it because it's, uh-oh, there's a new thing. He did a new thing in their life. So since I fight dirty and I never fight fair, since I'm a dirty devil and I never fight right, There's no justice in my blood. There's no compassion in my stony heart. I'm going to attack something when it's young so that I can stop it before it becomes a danger to me. He attacks it to stop it. I can remember in my own spiritual history, any time God did, when God laid his hand on me as a teenager to preach, when he began to stir in my heart to preach, oh, you talk about a new thing. You talk about a new thing. I had stage fright. I was terrified to get up in front of people. I couldn't think of anything more frightening than what I'm doing right now. And I didn't want to do it. But God stirred my heart. How many of you know when God gives you a burning desire to do something, it's futile to resist it? And he began to move on me to preach. And I began to, to minister the word of God a little bit here and there. And I, and, I, and I was really beginning to feel like, wow, this is something that I can do. Man, the devil attacked me. The devil attacked me with everything he had. He attacked me to take me out. And I remember that it was only by the word of God that I got through it and memorizing the word of God and holding tight to Jesus. And and, and looking back, I can see that the very two things God promised, a road and a river, is what he gave to me. I just didn't know the Bible verses yet. But he carried me through it. And some of you are in a new thing right now, and, and you're wondering, how in the world is this level of attack coming at me? Jesus was a new thing. God sent a new thing, his only begotten son. And when he was still a baby in a manger, what did the devil do? He incited Herod to kill him, take him out when he's young. When Moses was born, beautiful baby, I preached on it last week. Before he had a chance to even grow, the devil incited Pharaoh to order his death. Take him out before he can grow. The devil wants to take your vision out before it can grow. He wants to take your dream out before it can grow. He wants to take your hope out before it can grow. He wants to take your spiritual life out before it can grow. He'll come at you when you're a spiritual baby to try to take you out. I call it the devil's last stand. He wants to get you before you enjoy the pure milk of the word. He wants to get you before you start chewing on T-bone steak doctrine. He wants to get you before you find out you're anointed and appointed. He wants to take you out before you start influencing others for him, for the Lord. He wants to take you out. But I've got good news for you today, and I mean this. No weapon shall form against you is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn because the Lord is going to give you a road and a river. 
Let me expand on that just a little bit. But I want you to say with me again, a road in a river. So if today you're experiencing a new thing and you're amazed, wow, what is all this attack? I was, in, I was riding that beautiful wave and all excited about doing this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden I'm being attacked from all sides. Peter says, consider it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange, weird thing were happening. No, it's to be expected because when you got saved, a target was drawn on your chest and you became a target of the devil, but that's okay because God targeted you first and he chose you. I'm worked up today. I'm feeling the anointing on this today. I feel, like I said, a prophetic touch. I want you to, to, to really follow me today now because the verses we read from Isaiah, God's addressing his people who have been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and they've got a problem. Their problem is they're having a look-back attack. Their problem is they're living life in the rearview mirror. Instead of looking forward to what God's going to do, they're looking back at what God already did. Because in the verses we read, God begins by identifying himself as the one who makes a way where there is no way. He said, let me remind you, God says, let me remind you how I carried you out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. Let me remind you, Israel, sitting there in Babylonian captivity, 70 years If one of them had been 10 years old when the captivity began, now they're 80 listening to this word from God. If they were 20 when they were carried out, now they're 90 listening to this word from God. Some of them have never even seen the homeland. And God is saying, he said, I want you to remember because I know you think about it and you have memorialized it the way I took you through the Red Sea. I stirred up an east wind, and it blew across that water and split it. And the walls came up on either side, can you imagine? Glistening walls of water on either side, and I'm going to walk through it. Let me tell you, I'm getting right with God. Oh, I'm, I'm going to make, Lord, forgive me for what I said about my aunt 23 years ago. Forgive me that I stole that piece of gum when I was a kid because here's a wall of water 20, 30 feet high here and here, and I'm walking through as if on dry land because that east wind was so powerful, it dried deep, deep mud, and they're walking through like it's on dry land. And God said, do you remember when I took you out on the other side of it? And when the last child of Israel emerged from those two walls and the Egyptian army was coming up behind you to take you. Now those Egyptians, they went crazy. I'm not chasing anybody down through something like that. I don't care what Pharaoh tells me to do. Are you kidding? Have you even stopped to think, Pharaoh, of how in the world that happened, that maybe God is with them? But no, like fools, they chased them in. Like the devil, like a fool orchestrated the death of Christ. And he committed suicide when he did it. He sealed his own coffin when he did it because the blood of Jesus destroyed him. 
Now here's the Egyptian army coming through. And as soon as the last Israelite went through, the walls of water came in and covered them and drowned them. Do you know that archaeologists a few years ago found a chariot wheel at the bottom of that sea? A reminder of what happened to the Egyptians. God said, I know you think about that all the time. I know you look back and you marvel at that, and that has become a part of your history. Like when you and I got saved, the Red Sea is a picture of it. Moses was a type of Christ. He led them through the Red Sea. Jesus led us through the waters of of our sin and judgment on either side. He led us safely through and brought us out to the other side to carry us to the promised land, heaven. And in doing so, he destroyed our enemy. God destroyed the Egyptians, but when Jesus carried us through our own Red Sea, then he destroyed our enemy, the devil, destroyed him, ruined him, did him in, sealed his fate. God is saying to the children of Israel here, I know that you remember it, but here's your problem. You're looking back there so much that you don't believe I can do something now. You're stuck in the past. You're stuck there. Like many people get stuck at their salvation. Oh, when I got saved, oh, the Holy Ghost was everywhere. I felt the peace of God, the glory of God. It was so wonderful. I was witnessing everything that moved, and God was answering prayers right and left, and and then life happened. And this problem and that problem and setbacks and disappointments and personal failures and and all the other. And so now people like this look back at, at their salvation or when God did some great thing in their life, and that's where they live. That's where their faith is parked. That's where they built their spiritual house. Because they say, he did it then, but it stops there. And my message to you today is the same God that did it then will do it again. The same God who was a way maker then is a way maker now. The same God that did a miracle then will do it now. Come on, everybody. This is why God says, don't remember those former things. In other words, don't get hung up. In the past, don't live, don't drive the, 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 the car of your life, look in the rearview mirror, you will crash. There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. And God said, but that's not your only problem. There's another problem. You're hung up on your failures. You're looking back on your failures. And you're saying, if we hadn't done what we did, we wouldn't be here in Babylonian captivity. Now, here's what the devil was doing with them. The devil was saying to them, because you failed, because of your failure, the God who was a waymaker back there for you then is not going to be a waymaker now because of your failure. Because you failed, he's not going to make a way. He's not going to move in your life like he did back then. And I'm here today to identify that as a lie from the devil. He tells some of you, because you went there, thought that, did that, failed the way you did, God's not going to carry you forward. What he did back then is the best you were going to get, because back then was before you did what you did. But my message to you today is the blood has covered your sin. The blood has washed it all away. God is ready to do a new thing in your life, and he wants you to come out of where you are and go to where you're supposed to be. Some of you are hung up on a memory, an event, 
something that haunts you that the devil uses to beat you over the head with. But I ask you, is what you did greater than the blood? No. No, the blood washes away every sin. God's message to them was, he said, look, the new thing is already springing up around you, but you can't see it because you're looking back there. I want you to quit looking back there so you can look at what I'm about to do. And I'm about to do a new thing. And even though it comes under attack, I guarantee you, I'm going to give you a road and a river to get you to the other side. So God is speaking into their pain a word of hope. And that's what our God does. Our God, he calls himself in the New Testament the God of hope. That means I wake up and there's a reason to be excited about my future. Because my future, listen, God does not decide my future based on my past. God decides my future based on his will and his purpose and what Jesus did for me. Amen. So God is saying your situation is not hopeless. And I say to you today, some of you, your situation is not hopeless. Yesterday is past. There's a reason it's called the past. It's called the past because it's past. The past is the past because it has passed. God says, I'm going to act on your behalf. I'm going to set you free, he says to them. I'm going to take you out of Babylon. I'm going to carry you to Jerusalem back home. And to do it, I'm going to give you a road, and I'm going to give you a river. Now, we know that the road God provided was a real road. Listen to what Paul said. Paul Paul wrote about what the children of Israel had experienced. And he says to us, he says, these things happened to them so that we could learn from them so that we could learn from them. They happened as lessons for us. All these things happened to show us something. God telling them, look, I'm about to move on the Persian king Cyrus. He's about to tell you you're free to go. The problem is some of you, a lot of you won't go. You won't step into what God's giving you because you're hung up on the past. You're looking back there, and some of you are going to miss it. But he's about to tell you you're free to go. And and when that happened, Paul said, these things happened to them to show us something. They were written to teach us something. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, well, what what were they written about? to teach us. Why did God put that in the Bible about them being delivered and not wanting to go and not being able to let go of their past? Because that's the way we are today. And God wants us to know that what they experience in the physical, you experience in the spiritual. When I'm about to do a new thing in your life, the devil hops on you and says, God's not going to do a new thing because of what you did. Or God's not going to do a new thing because he can't do anything better than what he did in the past. What he did back there is the best he can do. That's a lie. That's a lie. God is telling them, what I'm about to do is more powerful than what I did. So in times of testing and spiritual warfare, wilderness and dry times that we go through spiritually when we're walking into a new thing, God says, I gave them a real road, but I'm going to give you another road. Let me tell you what the road is. The road is a person. 
His name is Jesus. I want you to say with me, he's my road. He said, I'm going to give you a road. And, and God says to you and I today, there's a road for you in the new covenant when I'm doing a new thing and Satan's attacking you and you're doubting whether or not God can do it and you're struggling to reach for it and you're trying to move into it but you don't know how to do it, and you're feeling like, well, maybe it's not going to happen. God says, I'm going to give you a road. Now, follow with me. What is a road for? A road is there so that we can go from point A to point B. You got up this morning. You said, I think I'm going to turning point. You made a great decision. And you got in your car, and you got on a, but now what good is your car if there is no because you've got to have a road to get where you want to be, where you are to where you want to be. A road is necessary. A road provides a way out, and it provides a way in. Now, the Bible says, Jesus said, he is our road. He says in the Message Bible, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. Now watch this. People out there are telling us, oh, there's lots of roads to God. But no, any road that's not Jesus is full of potholes and the bridge is out. Any road that's not Jesus is a fake road, a false road, a road that will fail you because Jesus said, I'm the road. Well, the road to where? And he said, no one gets to the Father apart from me. We've got a whole culture out there that says, it doesn't matter which road I take. Because any road will do. But Jesus said there's two roads. The broad road that leads to destruction and the narrow road that leads to life. There's only two roads in all of life. And if you take the broad one where most everybody is going, you will perish. But if you take the narrow road, it's narrow because it's singular. It's narrow because it's exclusive. It's narrow because it's one man. Jesus, I'm your road. And if you get on my road, I'm going to carry you to heaven. I'm going to carry you to God. You will never know God unless you go there via me. I'm the road. I'm the road. Oh, folks, what a blessing a road is. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I have. I walked out in the woods one day when I was living in East Texas, and I was looking at all the trees and the birds and the animals, and I, was kind of, and I wasn't aware that the sun was setting. I just kind of wasn't paying attention. And suddenly I realized I didn't know where I was. And I was in the middle of a dense forest, and the sun was setting, and I didn't even have a pocket knife. And this panic hits you. How am I going to get out? What am I going to do? Which way should I go? Because if I go the wrong way, I'm just going to go deeper. I'm lost in the woods. And what a blessing it is when you find even a little trail. Because a trail says to you, somebody's been here before, this leads somewhere. There's a story in the Old Testament when David ran from his own son, Absalom, and Absalom was heading up a mutiny against his own dad. And half the kingdom had split and gone with Absalom. And David had his own army that went with him. And those two armies clashed. And as they were fighting, a verse jumped out at me that has haunted me in a good way. It says as they were fighting, listen to this. This is so strong. The woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Why? More people died lost 
than in the battle. Why? Because they got off in those woods and there was no road out. They perished in their lostness. And right now out there, your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, your family, some of you, they're lost in the woods. They're lost in the woods. And they'll perish in the woods more than they will any other thing. They'll perish in their lostness more than any other thing. Why? Because they can't find the road out. But I'm going to tell you, this church will never stop preaching the road out. The road out is Jesus Christ. He's the road. He's the road. He's the truth. And he's the life. His wisdom will take us out. Listen, he's not only the road to salvation, but he's also the road out of what you can't get yourself out of. He's the road out of problems, distresses, confusion, dilemmas, perplexity, failures, pits, attacks from the enemy. Jesus, his wisdom, his teaching, his presence, his guidance, his lifestyle, his word. Those, those are the, the roads. They all comprise the one road who is Jesus Christ. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who builds his house on a rock and the rains fall and the winds blow and the floods beat on that house and it doesn't fall because it's founded on the rock. And what is the rock? It's the road. If you build your life on his teaching, the road will lead you. You will be on the road that leads to life. His wisdom, his power, his grace. Say with me, he's the road. So God says, when you're going through into your new thing and the devil's attacking you, you stay real close to me because I'm your road. Stay real tight with me because I'm your road. Listen carefully to me and follow me because I'm your road. I will carry you through where there is no way. Finally, there's a river, and I'm going to close quickly with this. For them, it was real water. And you remember Moses would walk up with the rod, and he hit the rock, and the rock spewed out water, gushed out water in a wilderness where there was no water, and the people were sustained. And Paul says that rock that followed them was Christ. So it's a spiritual picture. It's a, it, or it's a physical picture of a spiritual truth. The way Moses hit the rock with the rod, for us, the rod is our faith. Jesus is that rock. And in the middle of our difficulties, if we turn to him and by faith hit him, essentially, so to speak, with that rod of faith, the waters of the Spirit of God flow into our lives. And he sustains us by the power of his Spirit. Jesus said to the woman at the well, and I close with this, anyone who drinks the water I will give will never be thirsty again. The water I give will be like a spring, a well dug deep within you out of which flows the rivers of eternal life. Oh, folks, let me tell you, I need the road and I need the river because we're headed to a new thing in, in 2020, and, and I'm hanging tight to Jesus, my road my counselor, my guide. But every day I'm drawing from the spring of the Holy Spirit. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? Oh my, how many of you are thankful that when you said Jesus come into my heart, he filled you with the Holy Spirit? Amen, amen. And in filling you with the Holy Spirit, 
It sustains you. You can go through anything. Psalms 1 says, we are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We bring forth our fruit in, in its season. And our leaf never, never withers. And whatever we do prospers. Why? Because we've got the road and we've got an internal river. When everybody else is dying of thirst, we are satiated. Can you stand with me today? Say a new thing. My word to you today is that as God is doing a new thing in your life, don't be amazed when the enemy attacks. And I want you to remember back to this message and go, well, yeah, the devil's attacking, but guess what I've got? I've got a road. And I've got a river. And those two things are going to carry me to the other side. Those 42,000 people, men, women, and children that left Babylon for the first time and made a 520-mile journey back to Jerusalem. It took them five months, but they made it. And we lift our hands to the Lord today. Say, thank you, Lord, for a road and a river. Jesus is my road. The Spirit is my river. Lord, we lean on them. Thank you for doing a new thing in my life. Lord, help me to seize it, grasp it, reach for it, and live it. Thank you, Lord. I sense such a touch of his Spirit right now. Some of you need to pray from the depths of your being. Lord, do a new thing in me. I don't want to be stuck in the past. I don't want to be stuck in what used to be. I want to see something new, something fresh. A God thing in my life. In Jesus' name. Let's sing that one chorus just once, Carlito. Let's lift our hands and worship him. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. excited about what the Lord's going to do. Amen. What the Lord's going to do. Come on, if you really mean that, give him a hand of praise today. Amen. Now we're running a tad late, so Brendan's not going to make this long at all. But go ahead, Brendan. <laughs> That's a prophetic word right there. <laughs> we're still taking up uh, offerings for the Kathy Wickwire Scholarship. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's to help our students go to Mardi Gras that are part of the Bible College as part of their curriculum. They go out and they drop Jesus right in the middle of Mardi Gras. It is yeah. awesome. Yeah. We help raise funds to cover their tuition that, that is part of this Mardi Gras outreach. We're about $1,000 short to give every student 
a scholarship. So we're asking one more time, see if we can cover every single student. We thank you for your generosity, and we thank you for keeping the legacy of Miss Kathy alive. Amen. Because of time, I want to let you go, but let me pray. Father, I love this congregation in you. And I pray, Lord, as you do a new thing, even if it's attacked, thank you for the road and the river that are going to sustain us and carry us and make a way where there isn't one. Thank you, Lord, that at the end of 2020, we're going to be thanking you over what we see God did in 2020 in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're free to go. We love you. Have a great week.